when this is all said and done, do you want to have just watched movies and seen stuff on Netflix? Or do you want to have learned a new skill? Do you want to have launched an online business? Do you want to have gotten healthy, you know, gotten in shape, started eating well, started working out. And instead of letting the fear and negativity and panic just give you an excuse to like sit back and just ride this out. It's like this is a time for everyone to step up and make a difference because there's no expectations on you because we're in survival mode right now. But when you start making moves to get out of survival mode, amazing things can happen. Hi, everyone, and welcome to a special guest episode of Badass Digital Nomads today, where we are featuring an episode of The Maverick Show by Matt Bowles. I'm actually a guest on his podcast today, and we wanted to share that with you over here so you can hear me on the other side of the mic for a change. And if you've never tuned into The Maverick Show before, definitely check it out. I highly recommend it. And this is the 79th episode. So there is something there for everyone. Enjoy and let me know what you think if you want to hear more guest interviews of me in the future by sending a message to hello at travelingwithkristen.com or by leaving a voice message on my website at travelingwithkristen.com slash podcast. is The Maverick Show, where you'll meet today's most interesting real estate investors, entrepreneurs, and world travelers, and learn the strategies and tactics they use to succeed. And now, here's your host, Matt Bowles. Hey, everybody. It's Matt Bowles. Welcome to The Maverick Show. My guest today is Kristen Wilson. She is a location-independent entrepreneur, writer, public speaker, video blogger, and podcast host. She has lived and worked in over 60 countries in the last 15 years and has helped over a thousand remote workers relocate worldwide between her companies Orbis and Poker Refugees. Kristen helps people become location independent through her courses, programs, workshops, and speaking engagements. She also consults with companies and individuals on how to prepare for remote work assignments. She's the host of Digital Nomad TV and the host of the Badass Digital Nomads podcast. She also documents her own location-independent lifestyle and travel adventures on her YouTube channel, Traveling with Kristen, which is syndicated on streaming services like Hulu. She is the author of the forthcoming book, Digital Nomad 101, The Ultimate Guide to Location Independence. And she has been featured prominently in Bloomberg Business Week, ESPN, The New York Times, and The Huffington Post. She is also the creator of the brand new virtual course and mentorship package that teaches you how to make money online starting today with the skills you already have. Kristen, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Matt. It's so good to be here. 
I am so excited. It's always such a pleasure to talk with you. If anybody has not heard the first two Kristen Wilson episodes, I would encourage you to go check those out. Those were episode number three and episode number 35. And Kristen, you were really what you might call an OG of the Maverick Show guests. You and I recorded our first episode number three before the show was even launched. So I really consider you kind of one of the foundational guests uh, that really helped get the Maverick Show off the ground. Yeah, it's really crazy how much has happened since we met. I feel like we didn't meet that long ago. I know it was on Nomad Cruise 6, 2018, and since then, yeah, my third time on The Maverick Show. And I just published my 51st podcast episode of Badass Digital Nomads and my 30th episode of my weekly news show, Digital Nomad News. So when we met, I didn't have either of those. And I didn't have the podcast either. And you have not only been a three-time guest on The Maverick Show now, but you are also a loyal listener. And you just, I wanted to thank you here publicly. You just named The Maverick Show in your blog and podcast as one of the top five podcasts to listen to. And you put The Maverick Show up there with some incredibly heavy hitters that I was super flattered to be named with. You named Ryan Holiday, you named Naval Ravikant, and some of the tippy, tippy top, you know, most prominent podcasts and thought leaders out there. And uh, I was super flattered. And I was very thoughtful of you to name The Maverick Show with that very prestigious group. You're welcome. And I just want everyone to know it's not because you're my friend. <laughs> it's because I really like your show. Well, I appreciate that. And I love your shows as well. We had a blast filming our Badass Digital Nomads episode when you interviewed me in Brazil. And we were both there and, you know, we were trying to do the interview and it was like 10 p.m. And we were moving audio equipment through some back alleyway about a block off the beach in Brazil and we knocked it out. And it was just a blast. So I've been likewise super impressed with a lot of the incredible people that you've had on Badass Digital Nomads and uh, definitely one of my favorite podcasts as well. Thank you so much. Yeah, that was very, very funny us running through the streets of Brazil, trying to find a quiet place to film during December, which is like their high season and Christmas decorations and tourists everywhere. But we got it done. And that was a really good episode. I'll have to have you on again. Well, the world has changed a lot since we recorded that episode in Brazil. And let's just set the context here in terms of when we're recording this. We're in the first week of April now, 2020. And you and I are actually both in the United States, remarkably, although not in the same city and we're not in person today, of course. But the United States has just passed 200,000 confirmed cases of coronavirus. And this pandemic is escalating very, very quickly. I mean, it's really an exponential thing that's kind of going on here that we're right in the middle of and, you know, recording this. And so let's just check in, Kristen, in terms of contextualizing this. I am currently in Asheville, North Carolina. And I am under whatever you want to call it, stay at home, shelter in place, lockdown, quarantine. In, and I'm at my parents' place in Asheville, North Carolina. So I am with them. And we are here for the duration of this thing. And where are you? Well, I, interestingly, I am based in Miami, Florida, where I had planned to already quarantine myself for three months. 
I have been traveling nonstop for the past few years, and I really was craving a home base. So I chose Miami for a few different reasons to be here from February, March, April, and possibly into May. I wanted to be here around the end of the high season when there were still a lot of events and things going on, really optimal weather for South Florida, music festivals, friends in town, beaches, and of course, lots of amenities and things like that. So I sublet an apartment from my friend for three or four months. And within the first month of getting here, the coronavirus hit. So I feel so fortunate to be here because this time last year, I was in Bansko, Bulgaria, and then I was in the French Alps for a month. And if coronavirus happened last year, I would have been in a completely different situation. So I just feel so grateful that I have my own space, my own home, home office. I have a beautiful canal in the backyard with a dock and boats and stand-up paddle boards and outdoor dining area. And then in my front yard, I have the sunset. I have a beautiful lake called Emerald Lake that we can swim in with like tarpon and fish and stuff. And so I feel like I'm quarantined in paradise right now, actually. So I'm well aware of everything that's going on. And I've been dealing with the same sort of angst and anxiety and discomfort that many other people have been experiencing who aren't sick, but who are just observing everything that's going on. But yeah, I just can't even express in words how grateful I am to be in my home state, in my home country, my family's from Miami. Like I just feel very safe and very comfortable here compared to where I might have been in any other year in the past 15 years. Yeah, my situation is really similar. I was just passing through the United States. I was just visiting my parents, you know, at their place. And all of a sudden, the coronavirus thing came and started escalating very quickly. And I just decided to stay put here. And I'm able to, you know, keep an eye on them and make sure everybody's healthy and safe here. And it's, you know, also just a really, really great place. We're in the mountains of Western North Carolina. So it's very easy to get outdoor exercise without coming anywhere near another person and watch the sunsets off our balcony and all that kind of stuff. So I agree. I feel very grateful for the timing and for the place that I am. But with that said, there's still a lot of, you know, business challenges. There's a lot of, you know, stressful, you know, things that are going on, obviously, in terms of the pandemic as it expands. And so I want to ask you, Christian, maybe just to start off, If you can talk about the mental and emotional techniques that you're using here, I mean, one of them obviously is gratitude from what you just said, of course, and that's an important thing to always keep perspective on that. In addition to that, can you talk about, you know, the techniques that you're using to keep your mental and emotional game up so that you can function on your top level, remain productive and all that? Yeah. So actually in January on uh, well, on New Year's Eve, on December 31st, I flew from Florida. So I spent the holidays with my family here. I had just come off a, a multiple country trip and came to Florida and had been planning on doing a 10-day silent Vipassana course for about 10 years and never pulled the trigger on it. And a few things lined up and I got accepted into a program 
in British Columbia the first 10 days of January. And so on New Year's Eve, I flew to Vancouver and I spent basically the first two weeks of the year in complete silence at this Vipassana course. So I was there, you know, meditating in the mountains. It was snowing every day. It was just exactly how I pictured it in my mind. And that was kind of the culmination of many, many years of self-exploration and self-development, personal development, self-help sort of stuff, which I think is a journey that every human being is on. You know, it we're all searching for ourselves. We're all trying to make sense of the world and what is life and what are we here for and what is our purpose. And so in hindsight, doing that 10-day silent retreat, at the time, I thought that would be a good way to start off the beginning of the year, the beginning of a decade, just get like a fresh start. And now I realize how much that is helping me cope with this quarantine. Because I said, you know, after sitting there, I think it was like 11 or 12 days that we were really in silence. I just felt so much at peace with myself, no matter what was going on in the world or no matter what I knew was happening in the outside world. Because you can't look at your phone, you can't listen to music, you can't read books, you can't exercise, like you literally can't do anything. You're basically in solitary confinement in your mind. And that is coming in really handy right now. And I think it's why I feel pretty stable and just okay with the situation because Vipassana is all about accepting what is and accepting what you can't change and also accepting that everything is always changing. Nothing is constant. Like if you look at the sky, the clouds are moving. If you look at the water, the water is moving. There's movement and change happening in every facet of life from the micro scale to the macro scale. And so I sat with that for a really long time. And um, that has kind of been the foundation for, for getting through this. But not everybody can go and do a silent retreat right now because they're all basically closed down because of the coronavirus. So I would say for people who this, you know, has been thrown at them and they didn't have any tools in their toolkit to deal with it, meditation of some kind every day is a must. I meditate twice a day, but you know, just start with once. Just do it. Don't worry if you're doing it right. <laughs> you know, just start somewhere and I can give you guys some tools to help with that. But for me, it's meditation, getting outside in nature, getting fresh air, exercising every day. I signed up for live streaming classes. So I'm, I'm doing exercise in my living room. And then also the biggest thing, I think maybe even more than meditation in this coronavirus situation is limiting your time on social media, limiting your time on your device and limiting your exposure to the news. So if you can isolate yourself and focus on what you want to do that day, where can you make the most impact, who do you want to help, what really matters to you in that day, and then maybe later in the afternoon or at night, check in, make sure the world is still going, you know, make sure we're still revolving around the sun, see what's happening, be an informed citizen, but don't let yourself get caught up in all of the worry and just like extrapolation of all of the things that can go wrong because nobody knows there's a lot of uncertainty 
we're in this for at least another month, probably many months. And so we just have to accept it, put it out of our heads and focus on what's important. I agree. You know, the other thing that I've been trying to do, Christian, in addition to all of those things that you just listed, is trying to increase my virtual social connection with people to compensate for the physical isolation, right? Because since we can't see people in person and we can't have the social connections in person, what's going to happen as this persists for a long time, especially for extroverted people, right, uh, that really thrive on that social connection and get energized by that, is that we're really going to need for our mental and emotional health to be proactively outreaching to people and setting up, you know, virtual not just calls, but you can do fun stuff like virtual wine parties, virtual dinners. I'm literally going to have, oh, you'll appreciate this. I'm going to have this weekend a virtual dinner with Mei Ling, Jen McGee, and Sean Tierney, three of my podcast guests. The four of us are just going to go out to dinner together, but it's going to be <laughs> virtual on four different, like all different, we're on different continents and we're just going to have a four person dinner. That is amazing. Yeah, I just got invited to a dance party. Well, somebody posted an ecstatic dance thing in my Facebook group. And then this morning on Instagram, somebody invited me to, he's a DJ in Belgium, and he invited me to a dance party that he's live streaming. So yeah, I mean, that's obviously something that's really important too. But I think it's important for people to connect with others intentionally and not just scroll social media all day and see what the algorithm serves up. Like think about who you want to talk to and then call them or FaceTime them or, you know, create, plan a dinner party, do something, you know, creative, but don't just sit on Twitter all day because like I'll go on there to check messages, check notifications. And it's like, oh my God, (laughs) five minutes in, I'm like, I got to get out of here. It's too much. A hundred percent. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Controlling the stimulation that comes into your brain is really, really important and being very self-aware of that. How much news are you consuming? How much social media feed stuff are you consuming versus, you know, how much are are you consuming things that are going to be really, really positive and really have a positive impact on you? And I think being able to have a self-awareness and a control over that. I totally agree. That's super, super important for this. What were the tools that you were going to recommend, Kristen, for uh, people in terms of meditation? Like, let's just say there are people that haven't really tried meditation as a regular practice before, but right now in this environment, seems like a good time to maybe try to get started. What do you recommend? I actually really like right now, Oprah and Deepak Chopra. They have a free meditation that they offer probably quarterly, I would say. And I always participate. It's like a free 20-day meditation. And there's one going on right now. And it's really well done. It's You're listening to a meditation. So it's not like you're just sitting there in silence. And it's about 20 minutes long. And I think if you just Google Oprah Deepak meditation, and I'll give you the link for the show notes, you'll find it. And they're doing one now on coronavirus. That's really good just as like an introduction because it's for everybody. It's like beginners and all levels. And then after trying a lot of the different meditation apps and then after trying just sitting and meditating and not 
you know, not having any guidance, not having any teachers, I stumbled across the Insight Timer meditation app. And I really like that one more than Calm and Headspace because it has a whole library of meditations of all different practitioners. And they actually make a living by offering courses and meditations through this app. So it's really cool. It's like a meditation marketplace and there's all different price tiers. Like there's a free one, there's premium version. And so you can choose if you want to sit with the timer or if you want to listen to a guided meditation and you can start to figure out what teachers resonate with you. You can search in there. It's like a Google for meditation. So whatever it is you're struggling with, anxiety, um, insomnia, whatever, you can search for it and hundreds or thousands of meditations will come up for each thing. And so it's a really cool place to explore. And it has a map that shows who's meditating at the same time. So every time I open it, I can see how many people meditated that day and how many people are meditating right now. And it just helps you feel connected with all the other people that are meditating. And of course, that's just a small percentage of the people who are meditating at any given moment around the world. So it gives you that connection and you feel like you're part of a meditation community. You can add friends on there. And that is a really good place to start for beginners. And then once you start to discover the type of meditation that works for you, you can go deeper into it. You can get certified in different meditation techniques. You can do a Vipassana course, you can, you know, kind of go from there, but just start small because meditation is a habit that a lot of people say that they want to do, but that very few people actually stick with it. So even me, I've meditated, I have like over a thousand days logged in that app. And sometimes I still resist it in the morning. Like I'm like, Ugh, I don't really feel like sitting down for 30 minutes. <laughs> I just want to do something else or make coffee or you know, work out or read or journal. And I'm like, nope, got to sit there. So it, it can take time for it to soak in. Awesome. Well, that sounds amazing. We are going to definitely link that up in the show notes, folks. So everything we talk about on this episode, you just go to one place at themaverickshow.com and then just go to the show notes for this episode. We're going to have links to everything that Christian mentions or recommends. So you can just get it all there. And uh, I just wanted to start with that, Christian, because I think the mental and emotional game is really going to be the key. That's going to be the core and the foundation of everything in terms of getting through this COVID-19 period. And But then I want to build on that as well. I want to get into some tactical stuff and start asking you about some things, you know, actionable things that people can do right now. But I wanted to get that mental and emotional stuff first, because I really think that is the core and the foundation uh, to anything else that we're going to talk about being effective and successful. So let's transition though now. And I want to ask you about tips for working from home in this new environment. One of the reasons I wanted to have you back on the podcast as soon as this COVID-19 thing broke out is because a lot of people have been thrust into working from home, either their first time sort of as full-time, you know, remote workers, or even if they were remote workers before, a lot of stuff has changed in their environment. They might have kids home now all day long and trying to juggle homeschool with working from home, with a spouse also being home, with having to, you know, deal with all sorts of other things in their life that are very different than they were in the pre-COVID-19 period. 
And you've been working remotely effectively and very productive for 15 years now. So, you know, bringing all of your expertise to bear here, what tips do you have for people to work remotely effectively in this new reality of ours? Well, yeah, it's definitely an interesting time because it it has been possible to work remotely or to telework for about 50 years. But there has been a big psychological block from companies and managers and employers and everybody to adopting remote work because this corporate culture has been so rigid for so long and old habits die hard. So even though most of us didn't have to commute to work, people are still commuting because it's just that's what you do. It's like built into society and it's the path of least resistance. So it's been very interesting to see lots of companies that said that they rejected remote work have to adopt it overnight. And it's definitely going to be an uncomfortable transition because everyone was thrown into it so quickly. But one other thing I wanted to say that applies for both the personal side and also the professional side of dealing with the quarantine and getting through this is just remembering that you have power. You don't have to be a victim in the situation. You know, if you're not in a hospital and you're not on a ventilator or you don't have a loved one in a critical situation, like if you're okay, all holds barred and it's more of the like mental and emotional stress of thinking about it is just remembering that you're powerful, you're a creator, and the more that you take action on a day-to-day basis, just take it one day at a time the more you're going to see an effect and the more that is going to give you the energy to keep going. So I've seen people on social media that are like, yeah, working from home and they're putting like memes and pictures of them with Doritos on the couch and watching Netflix and stuff like that. And like, yeah, that's funny. And maybe people needed like a few days or a week or so to just chill out and and reset and and zone out and have a moment. But now that we are more aware of the context of the situation, it's time for everyone to step up. (laughs) So whether you are already working remotely or whether you're employed or you got sent to work from home or whatever, every human being has the capacity to learn new skills and to thrive and succeed in life. And so it's just about taking initiative in whatever your situation is and be like, okay, this sucks. I'm going to deal with it though, because I can do it. Like you can do it, you know, everyone can do it. So just to kind of put that first before everything else, but for people, I mean, I don't have kids, so I can't really speak to that to be honest, but I would say that the most important thing for me working from home has been to figure out what my best time of day is to work because it's not necessarily the nine to five. And a lot of remote workers have more of a problem disconnecting from work than they do working and hitting that eight or nine hour work day. So if you are better in the morning or if you're a night owl, like try to figure out when is best for you to work and then talk to your employer or supervisor about that. So this is kind of tough because everybody is in a different job and every company has different policies. But when you're working remotely, the most important thing is 
to communicate well and to have consistent standard policies for everybody. So depending on what type of company you're at, if you can set your schedule with your employer, then things are going to be a lot easier. You can kind of ride your own productivity wave rather than clocking in at 8 a.m. and then sitting there the whole day until it's time to clock out. So I have a sense that a lot of remote employers are going to be focused, like the new ones, so uh, traditional companies that have been forced into remote work, they are going to have a hard time adopting a remote mindset where people are working in all different time zones, where they don't have to be working at the same time in the same place. And so they're going to err on the side of over-supervising their employees and wanting them to like log into a group meeting or a group Zoom chat or Slack chat or something like that. And so you really have to protect your time and not be overly available, like talk to your boss and be like, these are the hours that I want to do my focused work. And I will respond to Slack messages within eight hours or 12 hours or 24 hours or whatever it is that it needs to be so that you're not just sitting in front of virtual meetings and chat rooms (laughs) and email groups like that and wasting your time and fractionalizing your day when you're working from home. So it's really about protecting your time and your energy so that you can get deep focused work done and that you're not splitting up your attention between a lot of perceived invisible demands to try to prove that you're working. Really, really good tips. So let me ask you about this. There are a lot of people right now, including a number of personal friends of mine that have very recently been either furloughed uh, or laid off from their jobs. And they're obviously at home and quarantined and they can't go out and now they have no job. So if people are interested in looking for a remote job that they can do from their house, where can they find remote job opportunities? So right now, there's a lot of generic advice out there on the internet that's like, set up a freelancing profile on Fiverr or Upwork or something like that. And yes, that is one option. But now I think there's going to be an influx of hundreds of thousands or millions of new people on those sites. And so when you go to a conglomerate sort of marketplace online competing with everybody, it's frequently described as a race to the bottom. So my number one tip for people, if you are looking for a remote job or you're looking to freelance or contract your skills out in some way, is to start with your personal network and your professional network. Because chances are you already know people that can use the services that you have. And so I think your time would be better spent reaching out to people one-on-one and asking if they need help with something because maybe there's something they need that you didn't do in your last job, but that you know how to do. And so maybe you can help them with that. And this is actually something that Gary Vee talks about a lot 
when people are like, you know, should I go to film school or should I just try to become a videographer on my own? And like, I need to make connections and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, have you DM'd a thousand people on Instagram? (laughs) And they're like, no. (laughs) So you don't have to necessarily do that. But think of the skills that you have. What do you like to do? What have people paid you for in the past? What do people say that you're good at? And what are you known for? And then just think strategically about who might need that. And so that that's for freelancing or for monetizing your skills. And so you could do that through social media, through LinkedIn, through your, your cell phone, through your email, like go back to people that you've worked for before. I mean, just use your imagination and, and try to start contacting people. And you just start there. And eventually you're going to come across somebody who needs help with something that you can do. And if you are looking for a full-time remote job, I've been getting a lot of messages from people who own their own companies, but their income was affected and they need a side hustle. So I actually have on my website a remote jobs cheat sheet that has 11 different sources of finding a remote job. So we can link to that as well. And then in the notes, there's a lot of remote jobs websites. But when it comes to applying for remote jobs, you really want to focus on quality over quantity. So don't just freak out and copy and paste your resume to a million people. Be really specific about where you're applying and make sure that you're a good fit for that job. And um, start networking online. Start making connections with people on Twitter, on Reddit, on LinkedIn. And start establishing relationships because this is not going to go back to normal ever. (laughs) I think that life is going to be before coronavirus, after coronavirus. So the moves that you start making now are going to pay dividends six months from now, a year from now, 10 years from now, as you start practicing offering your skills in a remote context and you start to build your network of remote friends. And so I actually had the career counselor, the main career coach of Flex Jobs, which is one of the remote job sites on my podcast less than a month ago. And we were talking about having a network of friends that we've actually never met because the remote community is pretty tight knit. And now it's a few hundred million people bigger, but you can definitely find your tribe within that community. So you can go to the big sites like Flex jobs like we work remotely, like Pangean, uh, remote.com, remote.co. Torre is another one that's built on like a blockchain software, T O R R E. There's a ton of different uh, remote job sites. And then there's also a lot of specific freelancing sites. So if you are a writer, you can go, instead of going to Upwork, you can go to problogger.com. If you're a designer, instead of going to Fiverr, you can go to Dribbble. Like if you're a developer, instead of going to FlexJobs, you can go to one of the specific remote job sites for developers. And I have those in my list. But um, just about being intentional and specific with where you're applying. And if you don't want a full-time job, but you just want to make money online, it's about going through 
your personal and professional network and just reaching out to people one-on-one because that's what people want, want right now anyway, is they want to connect with people on a real level. You don't have to cold email companies that you found off Google. Like just, yeah, pick up the phone and reach out to people that you already know. They're going to be more likely to trust you and hire you compared to somebody on Upwork who might be in a different country. Really good tips. And those were a lot of really important websites that you rattled off there. We're going to list all of those in the show notes, folks. So again, you can just go to one place at themaverickshow.com. Just go to the show notes for this episode. And all of the remote job websites that Kristen listed are going to be there, as well as the different freelance marketplaces for the different skills that she listed. We're going to put everything all together so you guys can just go there and have that as a resource and go to the sites that are the most relevant or applicable to you and and check it out based on your needs. Kristen, I also want to ask you about what tools you would recommend for remote work. I recommend a minimalist approach to remote work tools because they can add up really quickly, especially if you're working for yourself or you don't have a budget from your company for remote work tools. So the first thing that you want to do right now, we're not working in co-working spaces or coffee shops. So it's having a workspace in your home. You don't have to have a separate office, but you want to designate a space that's only for work so that you're not working off your laptop in different chairs or on the couch or in bed or something like that. I actually have a remote office store (laughs) on Amazon So we can link to that too, where I have all of the remote work tools that I use and including the standing desk that I'm at right now, it's only $150 and I put it on top of a table that cost me $62 and I have a separate monitor. So I have like an ergonomic workspace, right? That's the foundation for remote work. Ideally, you can put a standing desk or a standing desk topper on another table. It could even be a folding table. And you want to have a comfortable chair and you want to have, you know, a good ergonomic keyboard, a second monitor, you'll be more productive than if you're cramming everything into nine different desktops on your laptop, which I know all of us have done. So if you have 100 tabs open right now and nine different desktops on your laptop, then listen up. So it starts with the hardware and then into the remote work software tools. Less is more because... If you're not conscious about it and ruthless about cutting off subscriptions that you're not using when you're adding on new ones, your expenses are just going to exponentially increase. And it's hard to keep track of so many things. So I would say you probably already have the remote work tools that you need. Like if you have a cell phone, an email account, a project management system and some sort of communication apps, whether you're using WhatsApp or Messenger or Slack or whatever, you know, start there. If you're using a project management tool, try to get everyone that you work with on the same one because I have not done that because I took an ad hoc approach to remote work at the beginning because we didn't have any guidance on it. We didn't know what digital nomads were there wasn't this culture and this community that we have now. So I use Basecamp, Airtable, Monday, 
Asana, Trello. Like I've used so many different project management tools. I have accounts on like a hundred different sites. So try to get everyone on the same page. And then now there's a lot of really cool all-in-one kind of remote office programs, I guess you could say, or platforms. And there's also tools that can kind of replace a lot of subscriptions in one. So Loom and Yak, for example, are two pieces of software that you can message your coworkers or your customers or whoever it is. You can do screen recordings. You can do video calls. You can record a video of yourself with a screen recording. Like there's all of these remote collaboration tools now that can replace multiple things. So you don't have to use Slack, email, Zoom, and Google Hangouts and Skype. Like you can just use Loom or Yak, for example. So we can link to some of those below. But yeah, I would just say for everyone to stay lean or you're going to end up answering messages on 15 different platforms <laughs> and that can uh, take up a lot of your time. And then if you do have a lot of different tools that you accumulate, you can use Zapier or IFTTT to link them together as integration. So probably a lot of people have heard of those, but um, if there's no relationship between two apps or two platforms that you're using, you can connect them with Zapier to automate a lot of tasks or have, you know, when you create a new contact in your email marketing system, it creates something else on another platform that you have linked together. And so that can help too. Awesome. We are going to link all that stuff up in the show notes. So just go to one place. We're going to have a lot of link resource links in this show notes of this episode. It's going to be <laughs> awesome, folks. So just make sure you go to themaverickshow.com and uh, go to the show notes for this episode. You're going to have all those links in one place. Kristen, I want to ask you now in terms of the entrepreneurs and the business owners who really got punched in the mouth by this coronavirus things in terms of their business. And, you know, for many people, the core product offering that they have is all of a sudden seems to be no longer available, right? That it's not viable in this environment. And so a lot of people are in a situation where they're really trying to pivot here and think about how to pivot here. And I want to ask you about that because... I know that for years now, your relocation businesses, Orbis and Poker Refugees, you've been making six figures a year from those. And that involves you physically relocating people from one place to another, uh, your company doing that. And now all of a sudden, coronavirus, people can't move or relocate at all. So all of a sudden, boom, that piece of revenue is cut off. And a lot of entrepreneurs you know, have experienced that in the last few weeks. And I want to just ask you, because you obviously can relate to this exact predicament. What is the mindset that entrepreneurs need to go to in a moment like that? And what are the pivot strategies that you've used or that other people should be thinking about right now? Yeah, this is very important. And I recommend that everybody listen to 
season one of the Naval podcast. He titled it How to Get Rich, but what he's really talking about is how to be a remote worker. He's talking about how to be a solopreneur or how to productize yourself in the digital economy because that is the future, not just because of coronavirus now, because that was recorded before it, but because that is the direction that things were going with AI and automation and outsourcing and layoffs and corporate profit margins. People, a lot of people already have side hustles and other side income streams because they want to diversify their income by necessity, but also by choice, you know. Before, it was more by choice because they wanted to make extra money or they wanted to one day make enough money that they could quit their jobs. And now it's like they have to have them. But it's not just during the quarantine, Matt. It's forever. Like this is... I actually started creating different revenue streams a couple years into my business because I didn't know how long it would last. I thought it might only last a year or so because it was a very niche product. I definitely didn't think I would be here nine years later in the same one. So I always kind of had a bit of paranoia about where my income was coming from. Maybe that was because I worked in real estate before that. So I worked only on commissions. It's feast or famine, as you know. And... um So yeah, just having diversified income streams is important for everybody to do. And it was important before, but it's even more important now. So people should be thinking about obviously paying their bills now, feeding their families now, but they should also be thinking long term so that even when they're retired, they have other income streams coming in, not just their social security or their 401k or their IRA. So yeah, my income, my my major source of income got cut off overnight because nobody can travel. So nobody can relocate. But I do have other income sources that I have built over the years. And it's a process. It's something that I don't think you're ever finished with it. But all of these little income streams can add up. And the more consistent you are with each one, the more you'll start seeing exponential growth. So some of the other income streams I have are from affiliate revenue, like affiliate marketing. I have income from writing, both passive and active income. So because I like writing, I didn't used to get paid for it before. But in the past year or so, I have actively contacted people that I wanted to work with or write for. So I've just reached out to them. I've I've kind of established relationships with them over social media. And then when the timing made sense, I asked if they needed help with anything. I offered to do projects for free to prove myself or at very discounted rates. And I've gotten a, a lot of writing jobs that way. And I've also been writing on Medium where you can submit your articles behind a paywall. And some articles make three cents, but other articles make $2,000. So you just never know how much each one is going to make. And then I also now have revenue from YouTube through advertising. And then also I've been getting, since my channel's been growing, I've been getting sponsorship opportunities. So 
if you start a blog or a podcast or a YouTube channel, that can be like a long-term revenue generator for you, not just from ads and endorsements, but from creating a client base and a fan base through the content that you put out there. You know, like attracts like, as they say. <laughs> so you're going to attract your tribe the, the longer and more consistently you are communicating uh, with people. And um, those people can turn into clients. So now through my podcast, my Facebook group, my YouTube channels, I had people asking me for help with the things that I'm talking about and I can definitely help them. So now I offer consulting calls and I also have my online course, the Make Money Mentorship. Uh, last year, I had a course called the Digital Nomad Challenge uh, that helped people become a digital nomad in 30 days. I'm writing a book right now. Like there's all these different things you can do and they all have different payoffs at different timelines. So um, if you're like me and your main source of income got cut off overnight, you might have to get a little bit scrappy for a while and take jobs that are below your pay grade or below your level of expertise um, and start finding your way that way. And ironically, the career coach at Flex Jobs did the same thing. And also Johannes of Nomad Cruise, who was on my podcast like two weeks ago, he said the same thing, and I didn't know that about him either, that he worked as a virtual assistant for minimum wage while living in South Africa before learning how to make um, his e-commerce store for his mom. And the career coach at FlexJob started in like a virtual assistant position for another company before, I think customer service actually, before she got some writing jobs. And then now the position she's had at Flex Jobs for like nine years or something like that. So you might need to start at more entry level income streams or remote jobs, but then you can just start creating a foundation to build on that. So don't be afraid or don't be embarrassed if you are making less money right now because you're doing this with a long-term trajectory and you'll probably make a lot more at the end, <laughs> you know, when you look back on it compared to if the coronavirus didn't happen and you stayed in a job that you either weren't completely satisfied in or flat out hated, but you were afraid to quit or you didn't have like the time or the mental space to go and look for other jobs. So sometimes necessity can be the mother of invention. And that is a situation that we're all in right now. So, you know, you could also apply for unemployment. Getting unemployment is a great time to start a side hustle. As long as you can get money in that's paying your bills, you might have to work harder or more hours up front, but then you can start increasing your remote income streams down the line. So let's talk specifically about how to make money online for people that want to do that. Either they're entrepreneurs that just got their income stream taken out, the rug pulled out from under them, and they want to go in a different direction. Or for people that haven't done it before, but right now, that's the direction they want to go. Maybe they just got laid off or something like that. And they say, okay, I'm ready to go in on really putting effort into making money online. Want to do it, need to do it. Talk to us about that, Christian. What are some of the misnomers about making money online? And then what are some of the real key techniques and fundamentals to being successful with generating online income? Yeah, there are so many stereotypes about 
what you have to do or who you have to be or what you have to know to be able to make money online. And most of them are based on a very small sample size. So the stereotype is that you have to be a very tech savvy, younger, usually male person who knows how to design websites or code or something like that, or that you have to be like an e-commerce guru who knows how to set up uh, websites with passive income streams, or you have to have a drop shipping company and order products off Alibaba or whatever. There's all of these different facets of remote work and, and of course, being a digital nomad. But the reality is that you probably already have the skills that remote employers look for in remote employees which are, you know, are you good at your job? Do you do the work? Are you good at communicating? (laughs) Are you trustworthy? You know, all of these skills that people are looking for anyway, are you qualified? And then you probably already have the tech skills that you need um, to make money online. So I'm a great example because I still am really bad at technology, in my opinion. I don't know how to code. I'm really even not good at WordPress. Like I made... I've outsourced most of my websites before to to my friends or to freelancers. And I put together my personal website on Squarespace. And so if I can do it, you can do it. (laughs) Um, So you don't even really need a website. So there's this idea that you have to be like, quit your job and learn how to program or stop whatever it is that you're doing, whatever it is that you have experience with and learn something completely new, which also isn't the case. And then there's also this other perspective that you have to be good at social media. You have to have a big personal brand. You have to have a big audience, lots of followers. You have to know how to do Facebook ads. You have to have a big mailing list because that's the only way to sell. Like there's all of these sort of facts that aren't necessarily accurate. Like, yes, you can make money with a big following. You can make money with a big email list. You can make money if you have e-commerce stores that are really working well. But you also can make money with the skills that you have today. And that's why I think that's kind of become my niche for helping people create their own digital nomad jobs or their own remote jobs, because I just want people to know that they already have skills that are of value that their employer was paying for before. And they might be able to get just as much or more for those skills on the digital online market. And sometimes with working less, because you don't have to sit through meetings, you don't have to commute to work, You don't have to play office politics and you don't have to do all of this other stuff that's really time consuming when you work in a big organization. So the main thing that you want to think about if you want to start making money online now fast is what are you good at? What do you like to do? And what problem do you solve for other people? So when I started my first online company, which was Orbis relocation in 2011, I looked at my skills of, okay, I'm good at problem solving, organization, project management, like look at your hard skills and your soft skills. I made a big inventory of all of my skills. I was like, okay, I speak Spanish. 
I've lived in at that point, it was like 15 different countries. So I knew how to move to different countries. I worked in real estate. So I knew how to find houses and rental properties and negotiate and write contracts. And I put all of those skills together into a relocation package that was so unique to who I am as a person that I never even had any competitors. (laughs) Like my market was so small and so niche and my skill set and my service offering was so unique to my personal identity, kind of by accident, but also sort of by design, that it was impossible for other people to replicate or it wasn't worth their time to do it. So people tried to copy my website, like they copied and pasted my website, but they couldn't deliver because they didn't have the knowledge that I had and they didn't have the contacts that I had. And And they didn't have the same skill set that I had. So it's like, think about what you're good at doing. And then what problem are you solving? In my case, I was helping poker players move to different countries. They wanted to play poker. They couldn't do it in their country because of regulation. And so I helped them move to another country. So they didn't need to be good at moving to another country or knowing all of the logistical stuff that they had to do once they got there. They just wanted to focus on what they liked to do, which was playing poker. And so I just started contacting them on Facebook. I literally Googled poker players, found their Facebook profiles, and sent them private messages and said like, hey, you know, you don't know me, but I help poker players move to Costa Rica. I know you were affected by this and that. Um, If you want to come down and start playing poker, I can hook you up with a house, a bank account, blah, blah, blah. And people were like, yeah, that sounds great. (laughs) And so at the beginning, I offered my service for a nominal fee of like $1,000. And then since then, it's increased a lot because my services have become more complex, etc. But you can do that with anything. Like right now, I could do that with writing. I know how to edit videos. So I can start contacting people like, hey, do you need videos for your social media marketing? Um, I can edit photos, like think of all the things that you know how to do and then start reaching out to people and see if they need help with that. When I moved to Miami, I was like, hey, well, I'm only here for a few months, but I know a lot of people here. So I just started, I looked on Facebook, my friends who live in Miami, (laughs) and I just asked them, you know, I was like, hey, I'm here. Like, if you need anything, I can come film your event. I can film your restaurant. I can, you know, help you film your online course video or a promo for social media because I'm here. I have a camera. I have a drone. I told people I could take photos of their houses with my drone and charge like I just made up a package like I'm now a real estate drone photographer. Like anything that you can do to make money right now is like game on. Just start doing it. So you don't have to know how to make a website. I didn't even have a website for six months when I started my company. I didn't have an LLC when I started. So get out of the idea that you have to have all of the technical parts in place, that you have to have the perfect logo, the perfect name for whatever it is that you do, a website, a brand, a blog, even an LLC. You can probably work with your social security number and your personal name, you know what I mean? And just start offering what you can do to help other people because everybody needs something. And um, yeah, you don't have to know. I actually couldn't even run Facebook ads because I was helping poker players. So it was considered online gambling, even though 
it was a relocation company, you know? So from the very beginning, I couldn't even consider advertising my services because I would get banned off of all of the platforms. So you don't have to rely on ads or anything. Like, yeah, you can scale, you can increase your traffic, you can increase your sales that way once you have a product or a service to sell that you know is converting, but you don't have to start out that way. So in the next 30, 60, 90 days, don't worry about like what you might need three years from now. Just focus on what you can do now and who you can help now and how you can offer value now. Awesome advice, Kristen. And I want you to also talk about this new course that you're offering, which is beyond a course. It's an entire consulting and mentorship one-on-one customized package to help people go through this exact process that you're talking about. Can you share a little bit about what that course is like that you just rolled out? Yeah, I, I designed this course called, well, it's it's more like a mentorship. So that's what I call it, the make money mentorship, because I don't know about you guys and you, Matt, but have you ever bought a course and then never opened it? That's most courses. <laughs> so I think courses have like a 10 or 12% finish rate or completion rate. I don't know what the exact number is. So don't quote me on that. But a lot of times I've gotten frustrated when I bought a course because I felt like the sales method of the course was more effective and more valuable than the content of the course. So I've opened it. And once I figured out what it was, I'm like, this isn't even that useful. And I got like one eighth of the way through and I quit or something. But like I should have just copied their sales page because they really sold me on the course. But that's not my vibe. Like what people have been asking me since I started speaking publicly about location independence and how to work remotely and travel and how to become a digital nomad. The number one thing is like people don't know where to start. And they might know that they want to work remotely and have more freedom on their job. They just don't know like how and they don't know what they do first and what they do second and what they do third. And so because I've learned this on my own over the past decade and after answering questions for so many people in comments on YouTube videos and in private messages on Facebook, I was like, I'm just going to make this into a framework. Actually, this is something I've been thinking about doing for years But it's really difficult, it turns out, to create a process and a framework that can work for everybody. Because I always say there's as many paths to working remotely as there are human beings in the world. Because everyone's going to do it a little bit different, a little bit in their own unique way. And that's kind of the same thing with relocations. Every single person that I've relocated has a different background They want to go to a different place. They have different jobs. They have different family situations. They have different budgets. They have different goals. And so I had to create a framework to relocate people that was customizable to each person and to fit their needs. And so that's kind of what I've done with this now is to create a way that I can give people a framework to follow, but then also give them one-on-one support and accountability. And so I've created a four-week program, but it's not an overwhelming amount of info. It's just asking the right questions and the right sequence 
and organizing it the right way that each step builds on the one before it. And then at the end, we have two different weeks of individual consultations for follow-up to make sure that the students integrated everything and implemented it and to see if they have any help so that they don't feel like they're by themselves. Because when you buy an online course that has no human element in it, like the ball is still completely in your court. And so I just wanted to create something that was more like a like a partnership, like a mentorship so that people could have autonomy but then also have help and support. And so that's what I made. Awesome. So what we're going to do is definitely we want to link up to that in the show notes as well. So people can go to that link, learn more about the course and the opportunity there and see if it is the right fit for them. And Kristen, I want to ask you to share one more thing. I, of course, uh, follow you on Medium and read your blog posts. And your most recent blog post there is actually one of my favorite ones that you've done. And it's called You Were Built for This. It's time to step into your power. Can you talk a little bit about what that post was about and just sort of, you know, conclude this tonight with some of the insights that you shared there? Wow, I just got chills when you said that because I actually sat on this article for at least a week, maybe 10 days. I think I rewrote it three times. I almost didn't even publish it because I was afraid that, I mean, it's kind of, um, I feel like I wrote it to myself in a way to pump myself up for stepping up during this time because it's so easy to kind of fade into the background. And you see people saying, you know, don't be so hard on yourself. Take it easy. It's okay if you gain a few pounds. It's okay if you don't feel like doing anything. And I just wanted to be like, no, (laughs) it's not okay. And so I wrote this because I just wanted people, including myself, to remember that if you're alive on the planet right now, that you are equipped to handle whatever life throws at you. And just because you are watching something sad or disturbing that's happening, you can still have compassion and empathy for other people who are suffering around the world without letting it bring you down and keep you inactive. Like, just to like keep you in a lower vibration, if that makes sense. And so I wrote this article to kind of remind myself and everyone else that we are strong, we are creators, and we have the capacity to make an impact in our own lives and in other people's lives. And there's never hopefully, going to be another pandemic like this in our lifetimes, which means that there's never going to be another time, maybe in the next century, that the entire world, billions of people are all in the same situation and are all kind of stuck, locked down at home. So any of the things that you've ever wanted to do, but you were too tired or you didn't have time 
or you didn't have enough money or you had too many responsibilities. And like, I get it. Like life is crazy busy. Usually when people ask you, how are you? You're like, good, busy, you know? (laughs) I mean, I say that. I used to say that all the time. But right now, people are busy if they have kids and they're juggling like remote job and other things. But for many people, they have extra time. At least almost everyone has an extra two hours a day, minimum one hour a day, okay? So let's say you have a minimum 400 hours extra per year if you don't commute. But I actually wrote another article on Medium that says if you work from home, you can get up to 2,000, I think it was like 2,500 hours of time back that is otherwise wasted or spent in the office or other places. So right now we all have at least one hour of extra time per day. And instead of letting the fear and negativity and panic just give you an excuse to like sit back and just ride this out, it's like this is a time for everyone to step up and make a difference because there's no expectations on you. Like everyone gets a free chance, right? Because we're in survival mode right now. But when you start making moves to get out of survival mode, amazing things can happen. And um, almost everybody on the planet hasn't been given the chance to fully express who they are as individuals with free reign because we've all been in school since we were three, four, five years old. And then we never stopped. We went from school to the workplace. And I think that everyone should think about when this is all said and done, like, do you want to have just like watched movies and seen stuff on Netflix? Or do you want to have learned a new skill? Do you want to have launched an online business? Do you want to have gotten healthy, you know, gotten in shape, started eating well, started working out, lose five pounds, like whatever it is. And it doesn't have to be something big, but maybe you can just take this time to see things from a different perspective and do things that you wouldn't normally do if you were preoccupied with all the other noise and buzz of life. And so whether that's starting a blog or learning how to edit videos or taking an online course, something, um, or starting your own sort of philanthropic project or starting a mastermind or joining a mastermind. Like there's so many things that, um, that people can do right now. And so I just wanted to write something to remind everybody that we don't have to be the victims in this situation unless we actually are victims of this virus, you know? So Like we have to live now for the people who are in the hospital and who are on ventilators. And like, I just think of how many people have died and how many people are affected and how many people's like lives have been shortened because of this. And it's like, we have to live for those people. We have to take this opportunity to do something good and to hopefully try to cancel out or balance out all of the negativity and fear that's out there. So (laughs) I guess I have a lot to say on this. I actually have one other article that I'm sitting on that is on this topic that is like listing all of the good things that can happen out of this situation. Like, Like in China, less people are dying from pollution, for example. I think less people 
they actually had like a net savings of life because I think less people died than normal. That's the statistic that I saw. I think it said that they saved like 77,000 lives who would have otherwise died from pollution because there's less pollution right now. So, you know, there's always a silver lining to things. And um, we come into the world as babies without a bunch of stuff, right? And we go out the same way. And so we have everything that we need. We have, we're alive, we're breathing, we have a soul, and we're all part of one global community. And if there's one thing that this has shown us, it's that we're all in this together. It doesn't matter what country you're from or or how far apart you are physically, like we're all spiritual beings having a, a human experience. So let's make the most of it. You're amazing. Kristen, we are going to link up in the show notes all of the websites where people can go and find your content. We're going to link them up to your Medium page so they can read your blogs. We're going to link up your podcast, link up your YouTube channels and all that kind of stuff so that people can find you there as well as your social media handles. And then if people are interested in learning more about this course, about how to use the skills they already have and just transform those into making money online and have you personally involved with the consultation and the mentorship and walking them through that self-audit of identifying their skills, identifying the problem that they solve, how to monetize that, how to find clients and kind of walk them through that whole process. If people are interested in that right now, how can they learn more about the course? Yeah, they can go to, well, I call it digital nomad bootcamp dot podia.com. That's P like Paul, O D like dog, I A. And we will link to it in the show notes. And then if they put in the code Maverick, I'm giving them $100 off. So you can get $100 off the course with code Maverick. And you can get that at digitalnomadbootcamp.podia.com. And I'll give a specific link in the the show notes, they can go straight to the page for the Make Money Mentorship. Amazing. So we will link that up in the show notes along with all of the links on where to find Kristen online, as well as all of the resources that she mentioned in this episode that we discussed. So you can find it all at one place, themaverickshow.com. Just go to the Kristen Wilson episode number 79 and you will have all of that right there in one place. Kristen, I want to thank you so much for coming back on the show. This has been amazing once again. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. And this is good timing because I just finished my glass of rosé. Oh, that's perfect. I just finished my glass of Chianti. I don't even know if we informed the listeners we were drinking <laughs> wine during this interview, but I suppose they've come to expect that now with the Maverick Show. But, you know, <laughs> we've just changed the in-person wine bottle to a virtual wine party. And so uh, <laughs> we rocked it as usual. But thank you so much for being here, Kristen. You were awesome. Thanks, Matt. And just another final word to all the Maverick Show listeners. Like, you guys got this. There's a lot of uncertainty right now, but there's uncertainty at all levels of life and all levels of society. And so just know that you have the tools and the skills that you need within you, within your mind, within your heart, within your intention behind what you're doing and what you feel intuitively you are on this planet to do. So 
it's okay to feel scared sometimes. It's okay to feel frustrated sometimes, but don't let that hold you back and uh, just, you know, go for it. And we'll close out on that note. You're amazing, Kristen. Thank you for that. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Be sure to visit the show notes page at themaverickshow.com for direct links to all the books, people, and resources mentioned in this episode. You'll find all that and much more at themaverickshow.com. I hope that you enjoyed this guest episode of The Maverick Show. And if you have any questions about my new course to help you monetize your skills online, shoot me a message at hello at travelingwithkristin.com or leave a voice message on my website at travelingwithkristin.com slash podcast and see you next week.